good to see everybody back here. You know, every week, I want you to know that we do not take for granted the fact that there are some of you here in the building, you know, and we also don't take for granted our Zoomers who are with us as well today, and we have a great group joining us from all over the world today, but we're also glad to be back here together in person, you know, over this pandemic. Uh, some changes have, have happened. Some of us have gotten married. Some of us have gotten engaged. Some of us have had babies. Some of us had made babies. A lot of things have been going on over the pandemic. Some of us have more hair. Some of us have less hair. Some of us have more other things. Some of us have less. Congratulations for those of you who have less. That was impressive over the pandemic. But for all of us, we're just glad that we are to here together, again, both in person and on Zoom. It's great to worship together. Isn't it good to be back for those of you in person, be in the building again in space? Hey, Lucy, great to see you today. This is an exciting day, as Michelle's already mentioned. We have a baptism today, three baptisms. So we're going to have a good time worshiping together today. Are you, is everyone ready to have a good time today? Y'all seeming a little sleepy this morning, so just wanting to check in and make sure. Good, Rebecca, good to see you, my friend. Um, again, Zoomers, we're glad that uh, you're here with us today. We're going to have fun, so we're talking about this challenging text. So over the last uh, few weeks, we have been talking about this theme of the Sabbath and uh, talking what Sabbath is all about. You know, it's a topic that's near and dear to the heart of Seventh-day Adventists. In fact, the early Advent believers, they were so into the Sabbath that they decided when it was time to name our tradition that they were going to include the Seventh-day Sabbath concept in our name. So it's a big deal. But sometimes when things get really familiar, you know, you kind of lose focus on what it's all about. So that's why we've been taking this time in the beginning of the summer here just to reflect on the Sabbath. So a couple weeks ago, we had Stephen, who isn't with us today, by the way, because he's up at Camp Berkshire, talking about the Advent Collegiate uh, group. Michelle will mention Advent Collegiate. No, not Michelle. Todd will mention Advent Collegiate, because I'm going to do community life later. So we'll talk about that later. But Stephen got us started on the subject of the Sabbath, and then Laura Larson from Maine uh, kept us going last week. And uh, by the way, you can go to adventhope.org and find... A good portion of our messages over the last few months were actually actively working to get that updated. So I think Laura's message will be up this afternoon as, as well as today's message. But this has been the theme. And so today, uh, Laura, Laura talked about Sabbath practices. Stephen talked about why Sabbath. Today we're looking at Sabbath regulations. And in particular, this one kind of very unique uh, regulation today. So that is what we're, we're looking at. Again, a challenging text in Exodus chapter 35, and hopefully we're going to have a good time together. Hi, Tanya. How are you? Good to see you. I'm just picking out people. I'm just so excited everybody's here. I'm just going to pick, pick out everyone and say hello to you. So uh, here in Exodus chapter 35, our text is today, the Sabbath is described as a day of rest to the Lord, to the Lord. So the emphasis is on uh, God, which we don't want to forget when we think about this subject of a uh, Sabbath rest. And then it goes on to say, like, whoever does any work on the Sabbath, so uh, who, anyone who denies the rest part is to be put to death. That's pretty serious consequences for not observing the Sabbath rest. And then the passage gets incredibly, incredibly specific. Don't light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Don't light a fire. Wow, who knew lighting a fire was uh, such a big deal? And yet here in Exodus 35, it is absolutely prohibited. Do not light a fire in your dwelling. So first question today is like, what's going on? Why is God so concerned about lighting fires? I mean, you can imagine there's so many other things 
that might happen on the Sabbath? Why is it that the lighting of fire is such a big deal? And we should note that uh, this isn't a prohibition against all fire-related activities on the Sabbath, okay? Uh, this is specifically about talking about don't light a fire in your dwelling. Of course, fire was happening on Sabbath. In fact, if you were to go uh, over to the, the tabernacle or the temple, which was in the, in the midst of the camp of the Israelites, right? So we're talking about a very specific context here, by the way. The uh, Israelite people, they had been slaves for over 400 years. They, God brought them out of Egyptian slavery. They were now on the Sinai Peninsula. And, uh, and God was instructing them about how to be a new culture, a new, a new community. And uh, so in the midst of their camp, the giant camp, there was this tabernacle. And in the midst of the tabernacle, there was a fire that burned. And in fact, there were daily sacrifices that were burnt on that fire. So we know that fire was happening. It wasn't like God is against fire, but he was very concerned with fire in the dwellings of the Israelite people, which again leads to the question, you know, what is the big deal? I mean, is, is there something inherently wrong with, with fire? Well. Bible students have identified exactly what's going on here. The lighting of the fire, first of all, to create a fire in the Sinai Peninsula 3,500 years ago was quite an ordeal. It required a lot of work. But specifically, it was work that was related to women, right? So women were responsible, and this is just the culture of the day, women were responsible for taking care of the house and providing uh, a food, and uh, that involved keeping the fire going and collecting the wood and making sure things were happening. So as Bible students have looked at this and asked, what is God so specific about a fire in the dwelling? It's very clear what's going on. God is concerned that everybody gets to participate in Sabbath rest. And had he not been incredibly specific, the concern here would have been that women and, uh, and other, other domestic helpers in the house that they would never experience Sabbath rest because they're doing all the work and people would have been like, well, we got to eat and so you got to cook and you got to make the fire and there goes Sabbath rest for more than half of the community. And so God cares about everyone. This Sabbath rest is for everyone. It's not just for the men to sit back and enjoy Sabbath rest while the women and the domestic workers are working hard away to provide for them. God's like, no, 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 no fire in your dwellings. That's a way to nip that in the bud. No fire in your dwellings. And so we see here a, a principle. God is concerned with everyone experiencing Sabbath rest. This is a, a, a move of inclusion, a move, move of invitation that this is not just for a certain group of people. It's not just for a certain gender, that God is calling us into something that's for everybody. God's work is for everyone. He's inclusive. So we imagine them out there again in that Sinai Peninsula and the work that was going to go into to, to providing a fire. And God is like, no, nope, no, no, this, this is prohibited. <laughs> Don't, you can't have some people working and other people enjoying a Sabbath rest. The Sabbath is for everyone. God's, God's rest is for everyone. And there was a danger that that was going to be missed out. And so God wanted to be uber, uber specific here. And so again, the principle is clear. Everybody gets to enjoy the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not just for some. Uh, everyone is participating and able to participate in the work that God is doing. And so I think that's in an age of uh, exclusion that this is a, a beautiful principle of God that he cares so much that he wants to go into so much detail about something very, very specific and very uh, particular. And uh, 
it, it helps us to understand what God's relationship is with us and what he's calling us into be into a relationship with each other. We remember that the actual commandment, the seventh day commandment, found a number of places in the Bible, but specifically in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, again, this idea of inclusion, the Sabbath day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. This is the fourth commandment found in Exodus 20. On it, you shall not do any work. So this is God talking to the Israelite people, again, out there in that, that, uh, that Sinai Peninsula. All right, so he's, you shouldn't do any work. But then he doesn't just leave it there. He says, you nor your son and daughter, nor your male or female servant, your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. So the commandment is just not, not for just a particular group of people, but it's anyone who's going to be associated with the community. If you come into the community, even if you're, you're visiting, even if you're, you're, you're a traveler and you come into the community, on the, you don't, the, you know, the, 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 the people aren't, okay, well, this is a traveler, we can make them work. No, God is like, everybody gets to abide in Sabbath rest. This is for everyone. No one is excluded. And so again, the principle is very, very clear. Nobody is left out. Nobody is to be taken advantage of. Uh, nobody is to be defined by the work that they do. Nobody's to be defined by the work. Everybody gets to participate in God's Sabbath rest. You know, this is also a reminder that uh, context and circumstance matter. Sometimes we, we, or we know this, I think, in most aspects in, in life, that context and our circumstance matters, all right? We know that when we're in certain places, certain things apply, and in other places, other things apply. That's just kind of innate. But sometimes when it comes to religion, we don't have that understanding. We're like, no, God said one thing, one time that applies to everything for all time. It's just not the way the Bible works, right? Context matters. Context matters. Where you are, it makes a difference. Uh, th this is most evident by Jesus himself, who is the creator of the Sabbath, by the way. Jesus created the Sabbath. Right? That, we're told that in Genesis 1 and 2. John 1 affirms that. Jesus is the creator of the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus was challenged, as he often was, about his Sabbath practices. And so in Mark chapter 2, we read that one Sabbath, Jesus was going a hike, on a hike through the green fields with his disciples, all right? So they're out walking through the green fields and some of the disciples get a little bit hungry. And so they pick the head of grain off the, off the, the grain. I've never done that. I'm, I'm about as far removed from the agrarian uh, culture of times gone by, at least in, 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 in my context. So I, I, I'm not sure how delicious, has anyone eaten like the head of grain off like a fresh, stalk of green. That does not sound appealing at all to me. I want it mashed. I want it butter to be put into it and salt and other things. And then I will eat it as a delicious cake or cracker or cookie or whatever. Um, but they, that's not what they were doing. They were just taking it very, and that seems like it's a very easy thing. Boom, take it off and you're eating it. But the religious leaders, as they were one to do in the first century, in Jesus' time, saw this. I don't know what they were doing, whether they were following them around on this hike through the grain fields. But they saw this and they approached Jesus and were like, uh, look, why are your disciples doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered with contextualization. He says, have you never read what David did? And boy, Jesus knows what he's doing, how to respond to something. He went right to the heart. I mean, if you could pick a list of superheroes of the religious leaders of the first century, 
David is going to be pretty high on that list, right? So Jesus is like, have you not read about your superhero David and what he did when his companions were hungry and in need? They went into the house of God, the temple, that sacred place that nobody can go into, and they ate the sacred bread when they were hungry. Jesus was saying, context matters. <laughs> it matters. Right? Nobody was supposed to go and eat that bread, but David went in and got the bread out of the temple, out of the holy place, the holy bread, and they ate it and distributed it. And so Jesus is very clear. Context matters. It matters what time and space you're existing in. And uh, uh, the, the religious leaders had no argument for this. In fact, uh, you can make very good case that Jesus' murder was directly related to his Sabbath observance. Right? He, when he came, he had a, a whole, the creator of the Sabbath, by the way, he was the one who designed the thing, but when he came and actually practiced Sabbath, the religious leaders of the day did not like the way the creator of the Sabbath kept the Sabbath. The irony is pretty thick on that one. So you can make a pretty good case that it was, because it was events just like this, that in fact the first time we hear that the religious leaders are plotting to kill Jesus, it comes after Jesus skewed from their view of how the Sabbath was to be kept. They were very, very disturbed about how Jesus kept the Sabbath, and it was in his Sabbath observance in which they started to plot and say, this guy, if he is left to keep going, he's going to destroy everything. We got we to gotta get rid of him. And so the creator of the Sabbath, again, the irony is pretty deep. The creator of Sabbath was condemned for his Sabbath observance. And Jesus is, it's, it's, again, it's clear, con context matters. The circumstances make a difference in how you react to a thing. And so now some of you are like, okay, that's I like Jesus, but I want something more. Some of us want a little more than Jesus. So I got another person for you. I think you're going to really appreciate this. Her name is Ellen White. Is that more than Jesus? It's a joke. Please work with me here, people. Y'all sleepy over here. Okay. Not more than Jesus, but we're going to just talk about her for fun. Okay. Because you're like, Jesus is fine, but I want something else. So we're going to go to Ellen White. So um, my friend Michelle, she gave me this great quote from Patriarchs of Prophets, that classic commentary on the Old Testament. And she, Ellen White supporting this idea of, of context. This is found in chapter 36 for those of you who cannot wait to run home and read Patriarchs and Prophets. And on, on Zoom, you're already, you're already searching. Okay, she says this, during the sojourn in the wilderness, the kindling of the fires upon the seventh day had been strictly prohibited, but that prohibit, prohibition was not extended to the land of Canaan, where the severity of the climate would often render fires a necessity, but in the wilderness, fire was not needed for warmth. She's clear, this is context. Context makes a difference. Now, that can be disturbing because, again, the past, ex, uh, Exodus 35, verse 3, is explicit. Fires in the dwelling are prohibited, and it follows the statement, if you break the Sabbath, you should be killed. Now Jesus, and Ellen White, for what it matters, says context makes a difference. You see, Jesus designed the Sabbath to be a time of rest for everyone, and he's calling us into something, and yet despite our best efforts, we mess up a good thing almost every time. You know, that's the thing about religious people. We have a way of taking something really good and messing it up really bad. All right? So that's what we're doing. That's what we, we don't want to do that. We would, God is very into the Sabbath idea, but we don't want to mess it up. That's why we're spending 
four weeks here at the beginning of summer talking about it. The Sabbath was designed to be a blessing. It was designed to be something that was positive for humans, not something that was a burden for humans. And we know, sorry, by the time Jesus came in the first century, the Sabbath for many had become an incredible burden. We don't want to replicate that experience in our experience. We want to enjoy the Sabbath. And so that leads to the question, what is it that makes us miss out on the blessing of the Sabbath? What, 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 what things are endangering us from missing out on the blessing of the Sabbath? God is into the Sabbath. He creates it. Jesus designed it. Um, but we are always in danger of misinterpreting it, misusing it, and therefore missing out on the blessing. So what things make us miss out on the true blessing of the Sabbath? Now, there are a ton of responses to that. You know, I, you know, I like to bring three to you, so I've got three responses to that question. What makes us potentially miss out on the blessing of the Sabbath? And the first one is very simple. We forget that the Sabbath is a means to an end, not the end itself. The Sabbath is a means to an end, not the, mean, not the end itself. This is evident, by the way, in one of the great Sabbath passages in all the Bible found in the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah was a messenger of God to those same Israelite people that God had introduced the Sabbath to again in Exodus chapter 20. And Isaiah chapter 1 reads this, and you can just feel the frustration of God in Isaiah chapter 1. It's kind of like someone who creates something beautiful for someone and then comes back to find that people are misusing it in the worst and, and most horrible way. This is the sense you get from, from Isaiah 1. Buckle your seatbelts for this. This is Isaiah communicating as the messenger of God, a, a message from God. He says, stop bringing your meaningless offerings. Uh, Chris Marvia today, he's our treasurer. He's going to come and talk about offerings. I don't think that's the message you're going to bring today, is it, Chris? Stop bringing your meaningless offerings. That would be a terrible call for offering. This is Isaiah. Stop bringing your meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable. The incense was kind of symbolic of the prayers of the people that was happening in the temple by this time. Your incense is detestable to me, God says. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon festivals and all your appointed feasts, I hate with all my being. You don't hear God talk about hating things, especially religious things that often, Isaiah chapter 1, I hate them with all my being. I hate your Sabbaths. They have become a burden to me. There's irony here, by the way, right? The Sabbath was designed to relieve the burden, but is making me burdened. That's quite a condemnation. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. I mean, God is just not messing around here. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Now we're on to something, all right? So there's this incredible condemnation of the Sabbath practices of the Israelite people at this time from the prophet Isaiah, all right? This is, I mean, he's not mincing any words, right? But now why? Why, why the condemnation? Your hands are full of blood, Isaiah writes. The people, you see, were practicing the actions of a Sabbath. They were, they were, they were doing all of the, the regulations and trying to keep the, the Sabbath sacred, uh, but they were missing the point. And so Isaiah goes on in Isaiah verse 17, 117, 
Learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. See, Isaiah, God is, is, is communicating through Isaiah what the problem is, right? You've got all the regulations and you're doing all the things, but you've missed the point of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the end, not the means to an end. The end is having a whole and healthy relationship with God, our brothers and sisters in humanity, and ourselves. But that was missed. And so he's like, you've got to go back and, and reboot things and get focused on, on this. You have blood on your hands. There are people who are suffering. You're here worshiping and having your Sabbath, and injustice is taking place, and you're not speaking out against it. In fact, you might even be participating in it. That's not what Sabbath is about. Sabbath doesn't just make you feel better because you went about the regulations. Sabbath is designed to be a place of rest for everyone and that we should be people who are giving rest, not just receiving it. Seek justice. Do what is right. Defend the oppressed. This is why God was so concerned with the Sabbath practice of those in the time of Isaiah. And so sometimes we are in danger of making the Sabbath the end and not the means to the end. The Sabbath is not the, the end. The Sabbath has a purpose. We are here today to worship on the Sabbath because we believe in a, in a God who wants us to live in healthy relationship with ourselves, with each other, and with him. Jesus famously said that the Sabbath was not made for humans. Or the, the humans were not made for the Sabbath. Sorry, that was I got that wrong. The Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. In fact, Stephen talked about that two weeks ago in, in detail. You can go again to AdventHope.org and and uh, recall that message. Important text. In fact, maybe one of the most important Sabbath texts in all the, the Bible. The Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. Right? It's for us. It's a purpose. The Sabbath is not the end. And when we uh, mess that up, we are in danger of messing everything up. It's kind of like this. If you, like, you, have a, if you have someone you know who invites you to a birthday party, and, uh, and you go and you take your gift, and you got all dressed up, and even more specifically, you go on the right day, you show up at the right time specifically, but then you never engage with the other birthday participants, never meet the person for whom the birthday is, what are you doing? missing the point. The point is engaging with people and celebrating on a birthday a person. And yet that can be the danger of our Sabbath experience. We treat it as the end and not a means to an end. Secondly, as we think about this issue of like how, how do we, how do we, uh, what, what causes us to lose a blessing of the, the Sabbath? You know, we find it really difficult to believe that we don't have to prove ourselves through work. And this affects our ability to really experience the peace of the Sabbath. Uh, finding our identity in something other than our work or what we do is incredibly dip difficult. In fact, you, I think you can get, make the case that this is kind of the, the default for us as humans. Like we, 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 we value ourselves by our ability to provide or do things or, or, or be active. And so that's, that's where we get our identity from what we do. 
And yet, uh, this is not what God is calling us into. This is not the relationship that God is calling us into. It's something completely different. And the Sabbath is related to that, but it's hard for us to get past that, that this is not about your actions. Consider this um, explanation from, from God. This is Exodus 31. So this came a little bit before our text of emphasis found in Exodus 35. This is Exodus 31, verse 13. And this is God talking to Moses, and he says, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. God is very concerned about the Sabbath. You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. The Sabbath is going to be a sign. Why? So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Did you catch that? He didn't say, the Sabbath, keep my Sabbath because by keeping the Sabbath, you will be holy. No, no. See, that's, that's making the Sabbath the, the end. But the Sabbath is the means to the end. The Sabbath helps us to understand what our relationship is with God. And so God is very clear. No, 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 no. Tell them to keep my Sabbath because in the Sabbath, they can understand that I am the one who makes them holy. They're not, they're not responsible for it themselves. Listen, religious people have been struggling with this for thousands of years, thinking that we are responsible for getting our act together and making ourselves a holy. We got to get it together. We got to figure it out. We got to read the Bible more. We got to pray more. We got to do all these religious things. And maybe, maybe, maybe we can make ourselves holy. God, all the way back in the beginning, says it's not going to work. That's not how this thing works. The Sabbath doesn't make you holy. The Sabbath helps you understand that God makes us holy. The God who wants to work in us and transform and change us. And so our Sabbath experience is this really a Sabbath rest that we rest from trying to do it on our own and trying to get ourselves together and recognize that there's only one way that it's going to come together. And that's if God is the one who makes us holy. It's a tough a tough message to swallow because again as humans we are ingrained with the idea that we are responsible for making our own identity this is why the gospel is good news but hard news it's hard to get through our thick skulls that it's God's work not our work that makes things happen wait we aren't responsible for getting our act together and making ourselves holy this is a little uncomfortable for us The Sabbath was designed to be a sign between God and his people so that you may know that the Lord is the one who makes you holy. It's good news. It's worthy of an amen. Thank you for that. God defines the purpose of the Sabbath as being about identity. Again, Stephen and and Laura talked about this already. Like Our identity is rebooted in the Sabbath. In fact, the Sabbath is a time when we were supposed to reframe and be reframed by this idea, idea that our identity comes, again, not from our works, but from God's work. No wonder God kept, he was like very concerned, by the way, in the Sabbath commandment, remember the Sabbath day, and that remembrance goes back to the creation. Like six days I made the earth, and the seventh day was the Sabbath. God is concerned that we understand where we come from because if we get mixed up on what our identity is and who we're related to, then that gets everything confused. And God is like, I created you. And then I created the Sabbath so that you would remember that I created you so that we would have a healthy relationship. But again, the Sabbath is not 
the end, the Sabbath, is the means to the end. God inviting us into this relationship with him and the Sabbath helps us to remember that, to remember that. It's hard, hard to get over our moralism, hard to get over our legalism, hard to get over the idea that we've got to be doing something in this. God's like, I'm the one who makes you holy. Don't forget that on the Sabbath day. Listen, I know some of you are working really hard. I know some of you, New York is a city where your worth is related to how good you are at your job oftentimes, right? And if you're not good at your job, you're out. Like that, you're out, you're gone, dreams crushed. That's New York. That's not the gospel. Thank God New York and the gospel are different, right? I mean, I love New York. I love New York. But I'm thankful that uh, the kingdom of God doesn't work the same way New York works, where, where you're not cutting it and you're out. The kingdom is, is, involved, is inviting us to all be in, and God is going to do everything possible to make sure that we can all be in. And so he's like, remember this Sabbath day, because on the Sabbath day, if you remember this Sabbath day, we remember that I am the creator, and I am the one who will make you holy, not your holy actions, not your good work. Some of you are working really hard to get it together, and you're like, I'm not at the right place where I need to be spiritually, and I need to do more of this, and I need to do less of that, and then when I do more of this and less of that, everything's going to be good, and I'm at peace. I'm going to be at peace my, with myself, but the problem is you're never going to do it. You're never going to get it all together on your own. So thank God for the Sabbath. <laughs> so remember that God is the one who makes this holy, and then our insecurity in our identity oftentimes makes us double down on our tradition and our regulation uh, and our practice of, of regulation. Our insecurity is manifested by an over-reliance. There's really two ways you can go. One way to go is like, forget this whole thing. Religion is ridiculous. I'm out. You know, once we realize that we can't figure it out on our own and we're not going to be the kind of people we want to be on our own, that's one strategy. I'm out. I'm just giving up on the whole thing. The other thing is double down, double down on tradition and regulation and, and rules. And so we become reliant again there on like, okay, I'm going to be extra on my religious uh, practice. And we dig into that. But that is an empty hole. I mean, I, I know some incredibly religious people. I also know some incredibly religious people who are also incredibly miserable. Because that is the danger, right? Just being religious, just having traditions that you practice over and over and over and over again. And listen, I love a good tradition. My fam we have f family traditions. I love being here with you each week. But if it's the tradition alone, without the relationship, traditions aren't going to do it. And so I know some very religious people who are also like the most miserable people in the world. And that doesn't make any sense because it would be like, okay, if you double down on the regulation and the rules and the, and the doing it, then that would seem like that would work and you'd feel better about yourself. But it doesn't because you're never going to satisfy your own needs. And so our insecurity about not being the people we want to be can't just lead us to more rules and more regulations and making sure we don't light the, the fires. It's got to lead back to this relationship that God is calling us into, this Sabbath relationship. And so that leads to the question, what, what do we do? How do we get over this? How do we get beyond this identity problem that we have that is always rooted in our action and our work and being insignificant and not being enough? 
And that always comes back to the work of Jesus. See, Jesus had a, he had a, a true understanding of the Sabbath. Again, we already said he is the creator of the Sabbath. He designed the idea of Sabbath. And he knew how to practice the Sabbath, by the way. He, 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 when he inspired Isaiah to say what he said about the Sabbath. He knew that the Sabbath was about our relationship with other people. And so Jesus was out with the people, helping and, hurt and, 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 and healing them. Not because he was going to gain some moral favor from God, because that's what you do when you get that. No, because he cared about people. Jesus knew how to practice the, the Sabbath. And then Jesus, as we're told, was, was murdered. And that, that murder can be directly related to his Sabbath observance. Jesus was murdered, and then he rested in the grave on the Sabbath. And then he rose again. And then he ascended to on high. And it's because of this that we have hope that, that we aren't stuck just with our own actions. That, that we don't have to fix ourselves on our own. That because Jesus did what he did when he died and rested and rose, we have hope too, because as we confess faith in that, we can experience true Sabbath rest, because true Sabbath rest is rest in Jesus. See, this is the Sabbath rest. The Sabbath is not just a day. It's not a 24-hour period of time. The Sabbath is about Jesus. The invitation into rest isn't a, in, uh, an invitation into rest of just a 24-hour period of time. It's an <laughs> invitation to rest in a person, the God who has done for us what we cannot do on our own. This is the great news of the, of the, of the, of the Christian community, the gospel, that God has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And Sabbath rest is rooted in that we come together and we worship on Sabbath so we can be tied together with this God who gives us rest, who is our identity, who is our, 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 our family member, who we are connected with, who is our creator. And so that's what we're doing today. We're going to have a baptism in just a few minutes. I think they're already getting ready downstairs. A baptism is a confession in this reality. Our, 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 our friends today are confessing that they believe that there is a God who works in this world and is inviting all of us into Sabbath rest, into his rest, that we aren't identified just by what we do, but we're identified by who we are and our relationship with the great God of the universe who created this world and created the ability for every one of us to exist in this world. The, the Apostle Paul talks about this a lot in the book of Hebrews. And I have a Hebrews passage right here. By the way, Hebrews, great stuff on the Sabbath. And let me see if I can find my Hebrews uh, text for us today. We, we, we want to end. We want to land this plane so our baptism can take place. This is Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9. And this is Apostle Paul who was very familiar with the idea of Sabbath rest, first as a person who was really into the rules and regulations, but then as a person who was convicted by the good news of the gospel that Jesus' death and rest and resurrection changed the game when it came to everything, and specifically the Sabbath. And he says, there remains then a Sabbath rest. <laughs> there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work. We need rest from our work.
We need rest from trying to prove ourselves to a world that is never, never going to be satisfied. We need rest from our own minds that's never going to be satisfied with our behavior. And Jesus is inviting us into that rest, into Sabbath rest, into his rest. May he give us that rest today. Amen.